0: Well, it's lovely to be back again, and I've been up the A17 a couple of times this week. And, uh, but it's lovely to be here today to see so many of you, and what an exciting time it is that you're looking for a new pastor. And I'll tell you a story about that at the end of my message, because it fits into one aspect of what I want to tell you today. So those of you online, welcome, including my son, Matthew, and his wife, Carolyn. And uh, they are viewing us from Norfolk and others as well. So it's lovely to be here. I wonder if any of you have actually seen the series on YouTube called The Chosen, which is a, thank you, which is a remake of the life of Jesus. And as you know, over the years, Film directors have always seen the life of Jesus as being quite an important storyline and, but of course they have their own interpretation and they have their own idea of what they want you to know. Ziferilli, for example, when he did Jesus of Nazareth, he said to somebody, how many disciples were there? And they said, 12. Ah, oh, we'll have three. And that's how it goes when you make a film. But In The Chosen, it's a jolly realistic impression of what life was like in the first century. Because the film, I saw the first series, I've not seen the others yet, but in the first series you got a really good impression of what it was like to live at that time. You saw a land of occupation, where there would be Roman soldiers on the streets and milling around. You saw people's work, the fishermen, the tax collector, Matthew, and others. You saw what family and home life was all about. You saw their customs and their culture. You saw the towns, the villages, and Jerusalem, the capital city, of course. And you saw the (coughs) focus of the synagogue in the towns and villages and the temple in the city of Jerusalem. So you get a really good impression of what it would have been like to have lived at that time. But I want you to go back to your childhood. And I want you to try and imagine what it would have been like for you to have grown up with Jesus. How would Jesus come over to you as a child? Well, we know that Jesus came into the public eye at 30, at the baptism of John. We have the call of the disciples. We see his miracles, his parables, the transfiguration, Caesarea Philippi, The confrontation with the religious leaders, the plot to kill him, the Passover, praying in Gethsemane, his arrest, his trial, his crucifixion, his resurrection, the commission to his disciples, his ascension. We know all that. But what about pre-30? Pre-30, going back even younger to his childhood, as I've suggested, because Jesus would have behaved like any other child. If you saw him in a group of children, you would see him no different to other children. He played with them. He would help Mary in the home, looking after the younger children that were born to Mary and Joseph after Jesus was born of Mary. He would have watched Joseph in the workshop. He was a general builder, don't just think of him as a carpenter, he was a general builder as well as making tools and farmers would come in with their hose with broken handles and all the rest of it and he would fix it for them. He would have watched and then he began to do. He went to the synagogue for school. He went there for worship in Nazareth. And apart from the scene that we're going to look at this morning, that's all we can surmise about the life of Jesus at that particular age. But there was something different. And the difference was, he never did anything wrong. He always obeyed Mary and Joseph, like your children do. He understood, as he could perceive it, the Ten Commandments, but he did not break any one of them. There was never any argument with friends. He would never be nasty to another child, because he was the Son of God. He was perfectly human, but he was sinless not capable of sinning and when we talk about being like jesus that's what it means isn't it that we are to be like jesus was on earth to obey the commandments and so on of course we can't we can't obey them because of our sin we've all broken them and that's why we need grace we need God's forgiveness in Christ, we need to trust Christ as our own personal saviour. I put it like this, that on examination papers, there's normally a pass mark, which is quite low nowadays. I think A-level is about 40% to get a grade. To get accepted with God, you need 100%. And none of us can achieve that. And that's why Christ came into the world as a baby and grew up so that through his death upon the cross that we remember at Easter, that we can be forgiven. And so all this about Jesus is summed up in verse 51, that Adam read to us, Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and in favour with God and men. So Jesus grew up like any other child, but he was sinless. Now, this account that Adam read to us is the only record we have of anything in the life of Jesus, from the arrival of the wise men in Matthew to his baptism by John at 30. And the background to this is this, that in the Old Testament, there was a regulation that every male had to go to Jerusalem for three Pacific feasts or festivals. And it was Passover, which is near to our Easter, always in April or May. That remembered, of course, the the Exodus. There was Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks, that took place in June and that was the grain harvest. And there was the time of tabernacles or booths in October, which was the harvest festival, like a harvest festival service. And what you did then, you made a kind of shepherd's hut out of branches and leaves and so on, and you lived in there for a week to remember the times that you spent 40 years in the wilderness at the time of the the Exodus. So these were the three compulsory events that every man had to go. But of course it became a family occasion. And those children that could go, the wives that could go, they would join the husbands and make their way to Jerusalem. If I said to you Durham week or Leicester week, you might remember that that's how we used to describe the holiday period when all the factories in Leicester closed down and everybody went on their annual holiday. and I used to live near Yarmouth and people often say, oh, this week is Durham week. All the people from Durham are coming to Yarmouth and so the accent changed week by week depending on what group of people would come to your particular seaside resort. So it was a family occasion and what we're seeing here is jesus at the age of 12 going up to jerusalem with mary and joseph and it's almost like a trial bar mitzvah at 13 a male jew became a son of the commandment by going through a certain process in the synagogue and they would be presented to the congregation as a male. Now that was important. It's like coming of age when you're 18, or in my time it was 21. And that was very important for this reason. If you had a synagogue gathering of Jewish people, you had to have 10 men to be able to get the big scrolls out of the cupboard to open them on the Bimar to read from from the Hebrew text of the Old Testament. I'm sorry, ladies, if there was a hundred ladies in the synagogue and nine men, you would not be able to do that. You had to have ten men. And so if you were a son of the commandment, you were counted amongst the men to make up that number. So it was a very important occasion for a Jewish boy. So there were large families making their way to Jerusalem, and then they do what they have to do. They come back, and Mary and Joseph thought that Jesus was with other members of the family because you would catch up with all the gossip and the news of your family and your cousins and your first cousins and whatever number of cousins you run to, it was a great family event. And so they thought he was with another member or party in their family. But he wasn't. He was in the temple talking to these teachers or scribes or rabbis. And they were very impressed by the way that he was asking questions and how he could understand what was happening within the teaching of Judaism. And there are three simple things I want to leave with you out of this story. Just three very easy things to understand, but they might be quite difficult for some of us. And the first is that it's much easier to lose something but it takes longer to find it. Did you notice that they only realised that Jesus was missing after one day but they spent three days finding him. Now what's the thing in your home that you lose the most? It used to be car keys but I'm sure now it's your mobile phone probably now, I did lose my glasses once, until I realised I was wearing them. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? That we can do something suddenly, and yet we take a long time to sort the problem out afterwards. We're looking for that letter that somebody's written to us, and we need that letter for some information. And Where do we put it? We put it down for a second, but we spend a day looking for it. What about the one off-guarded word that you might say to somebody that it takes months or even years to heal? You know, there are some people who have got difficulties within their families And difficulties in their social group, whatever, even in churches. And it all happened because of a very simple thing years ago. And it's never been sorted. You can break a heart with just a word. But it can take a lifetime to repair it. Well, Will Smith's a good example, isn't it? One second to slap that guy, and really his whole life is now going to be affected. That regrettable action that has plagued us for years, and yet there's no way of resolving the problem. So can I say to you, secondly, this that like Mary and Joseph, have we actually lost Jesus? Like Mary and Joseph, have we actually lost Jesus? You pray, but you're not aware of his presence. You may read the Bible very methodically and regularly but you can't find Jesus in it. You come to worship like this and we give all the good impressions of enjoying the singing and worshipping and so on, but really our hearts are down the road. We're not really here with what's going on spiritually. We can even do great Christian service, but our hearts have waned a bit you know I wish somebody else could do this job after all these years and we haven't got that same incentive as we as we once had have we lost Jesus because of some sin that still plagues us are there past sins that still influence us Because the scriptures say, don't they, that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Is my mind so easily distracted from Christ? We used to use the word backsliding a lot, we don't seem to hear it nowadays. But when you begin to, if you like, go down that gradual path of going away from the Lord, And as we go away from the Lord, we lose him. We lose that sense of his presence in our lives and so on. We think little of Christ in the busyness of the day. You know, all our lives are busy today. I think family life today is no comparison of what it was 30, 40 years ago. It's so different. But have we lost that sense of Christ's presence in all that busyness and activity of life and it may be for some of you this morning that Christ is not now how I once knew him what did the hymn writers say where is the blessedness I once knew when first I knew the Lord so we've lost that we've lost that initial enthusiasm it's always lovely to see someone that becomes a christian for the first time the first time they experience the, the gospel and so on and they're energetic they're keen they're enthusiastic and they're committed but then you look at people who've been on the road a long time and well it's waning a bit they're getting very mellow in their old age and they've lost that same incentive and that same desire You see, how we can lose, how we can lose Jesus ourselves, just as Mary and Joseph did. Yes, there are times when when the Lord does distance himself from us. He chooses to do that, and for a reason. For example, that's the often complaint in the Old Testament, isn't it? How long, O Lord, the psalmist cried, will you forget me forever? how long will you hide your face from me again the psalmist said why are you cast down O my soul why so disturbed within me put your hope in god for i will yet praise him my savior and my god and what about jesus on the cross in the very center of his suffering as he was offering himself as that perfect sacrifice for sin that he had to call out he had to call out this my god my god why hast thou forsaken me why have you turned your back on me why are you so far from saving me and you know when jesus quoted that psalm he would have quoted the whole psalm that's why the people could hear it Jesus felt forsaken by his Father. You know why, of course. Because that's when the wrath of God was being poured out upon his Son. That through that sacrifice being offered, Christ becomes the way to know the Father. And the way we trust him means forgiveness and pardon of all our sins. You see, in those cases, we might lose the sense of his presence, but he's still there. We may lose that feeling that Christ is with us, but he's still there. I had an interesting experience a few years, well, about four or five years ago. I was at this wedding, and it was in a hotel, so it wasn't a Christian wedding. And the two registrars came along, and they married uh, a couple Uh, relations of ours and um, I remember saying to a number of people God wasn't mentioned but God was still there because the value of marriage was still upheld although Christian things couldn't be mentioned he was still there because the values were being recognized And we need always to remember that, that when we are in this distance from God, not by our choosing or our way, but because of what God has chosen to do for a purpose. We need always to remember that we can lose the sense of his presence, but not the relationship, not the relationship. So like Mary and Joseph, have we lost Jesus? And the third thing is this: do we expect to find Jesus? Do we expect to find Jesus? How strange that Mary and Joseph went to the temple and they were surprised to see Jesus in the temple. Where did they expect to see him? Where did they expect to find him? Well, amongst the family. But he was there in the temple. And can I suggest to us this morning, on a very, if you like, very simple note, when we read God's word, whether we read it privately, whether we read it as couples, as friends, in small groups, in house groups, in the services, whenever we read God's word, do we expect to find Jesus in that word? Do we expect to find Jesus in that word? When we pray, do we come believing that the Lord is hearing us in our prayers? Or do we just say prayers? Saying prayers and praying are two different things. Praying is to know the presence of God as we pray. Same as when we attend our meetings, do we expect the Lord to be here? He's promised to be here, we're two or three and so on. We should expect him when we come. In our Christian work, apart from all work is Christian, whether you're a job in an office or in a a factory or whatever you're doing, it's all Christian. If you're a Christian, Because you're doing it to the Lord. He's your ultimate boss. Not only the boss that supervises you, but God is our our boss in that sense. But even there, we should expect his presence as we seek to do that work that God has given us to do. Do we come with great expectations? Certainly Mary and Joseph didn't because they were quite angry with him, weren't they? and his reply don't you know i must be about my father's business now when you turn to revelation chapter 2 there are letters to seven churches that jesus gave through john and one of them was to the church at ephesus and jesus had something against this church for this reason they were very busy They had lots of things. You go on their website and there's 101 different activities they're doing. But there was a big problem and it was that they had forsaken their first love. Christ was no longer the focal point of what they were doing. Didn't mean they just became a social work in the area. But it was simply that they had lost their first love it's like if you've been married a long time and you might feel things are a bit dull now than what they were years ago well your first love so jesus says to john that they've got to do certain things they've got to do certain things you've got to remember the height from which you have fallen and it is falling when it comes to losing your first love. It's not just drifting on the same level, but it's actually falling. You need to change your mind about it. You need to change your mind about it, or repent is the word we often use, and you need to return. You need to pick up the pieces. Pick up the pieces. So, if you've stopped reading your Bible because you haven't found Christ in the Scriptures, go back to the Bible. If you've stopped praying because you don't feel the presence of God as you pray, go back to praying. Do you know, in the revival in Wales in 1859, a number of ministers weren't even converted Christians when they went in the ministry. And they preached the Bible... And some of them were converted as they preached. So the more you read the scriptures and the more you come with this open heart to say, Lord, I want to find you in this reading today. Then he will. He will. And if you pray and you say, Lord, the, 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 the heavens are like brass. We can't break through. We, we can't sense your presence in our lives. What's going on? keep praying because he will many of us have experienced that where God answers prayer after years when we found it so difficult we've felt as if God has forsaken us but he's come to us in grace and he's brought us to himself and given us a new, as Vernon Hyam in his hymn I have a new vision of Jesus nothing new but it was new at that point Do we expect to find Jesus? Do we expect to find Jesus? And the last thing is this. This is like a postscript. This is like a postscript. The answer to our prayer may be closer than we think. The answer to our prayer be closer than we think here was jesus talking to these teachers they were experts in in the law in the writings of the prophets in their hebrew knowledge and remember in those days they could read hebrew without the little points underneath the letters so they could read it just with the consonants you imagine reading an english text and take out the the vowels And you try and read that. They could do that with Hebrew. And back to front. Jesus impressed them. Some of those same rabbis or teachers would have been there at the cross when Jesus died. Could they have imagined that that young 12-year-old boy who was standing before them In the temple would be the promised Messiah who was spoken of all the way through the Old Testament they were praying for a Messiah the answer was there the answer was there and on that cross which confused them because they wanted someone to take away the Roman authority and the Roman dominance in the country but they just failed to understand that it was through suffering the Messiah would usher in his kingdom of those who trust him for forgiveness of sin. Some years ago, I went to a church to preach, I've not been there before, and they've been without a minister for eight years. Well, you haven't been without a minister for eight years, hopefully not yet. Um, and. Um, I remember saying in my talk don't be too long without a minister and i will say that to you as well within nine months i was the minister of that church to my surprise and you know it does happen sometimes isn't it that the answer to our prayer can be much closer than what We think so what we've done today we've looked at this issue of we can lose Jesus so easily but we need to expect to find him in those areas that we've looked at and we've seen how that the answer to our prayer can be can be nearer than what we think you know if you're not a Christian this morning You can't lose Jesus because you haven't got him. But you can have him. Because of what he's done for us upon the cross. And if you seek him. No one who has ever sought to know Christ. Has failed to find him. And that can be your experience. As it is for most of us here this morning. Seek. And you will find knock and it shall be opened unto you ask and it shall be given that's a wonderful promise isn't it and if you're not a christian and we're coming up to easter that there on the cross this man perfect man the god man son of god was the perfect all sufficient sacrifice for sin and the moment we trust him the moment we turn from our sin he forgives us and brings us into his family oh I pray that we may all know that that we've all sought him and we have found him and we are living in the reality of his presence day by day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you that they are old, old stories, but they're ever new. And we bless you for your grace being able to understand a little of this story. May we never lose a sense of your presence. And if we have lost that sense of your presence, Lord, we want to be like the Ephesian believers, to... Remember to repent and to return and we thank you for that great promise that those who seek you will always find you. In Jesus' name, Amen.